0: Inside Vegas is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast, as well as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Use promo code SGP50 to receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Inside Vegas is also brought to you by Odd Shark. Odd Shark has the latest betting trends available nowhere else, as well as betting picks from their supercomputer. Check out all of their quality content and betting trends at oddshark.com. Madness is almost here, and you're going to need one thing, and that's a bookie. And there's no better in the industry than MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast and the Inside Vegas Podcast. And for this episode, we are going to bring on part two with Tom Drill, who's the risk manager at CGT Properties, The M. And we basically wanted to essentially make this podcast everything we couldn't touch on in the first one and kind of tie a bow on it uh, Especially because we couldn't make it a two-hour podcast to start with. And there's just a ton of great things. There was so much info that I wanted to get out there because this was the one time and one opportunity that we kind of had to look behind the curtain and see what makes a risk management team and, and an audit makers team tick. Uh, so some things that we we broke into was basically the limit size for, for Sharp and Public guys, and kind of how those are determined, the different types of clients, different types of customers, what makes somebody sharp? What makes them "quote unquote" square? You know, if somebody moving the line versus if they're just chasing steam, because it's a huge difference in how someone would move a line and why somebody would move a line. Um, basically, we we'll get into some examples of of different types of clients and, and some things that happened uh, in his time at CGT's, uh the M, as well as the live betting app, uh, the application kind of. If limits, if it's true or false, that limits will get cut if you if you can get kind of banned from them. And as well, we, just, we finally break into what's, what is on everyone's mind. at the upcoming NCAA tournament with March Madness. Basically, what we looked at was what that type of liability and that type of money into the market does. And if it changes anything, if one really sharp and really professional guy can move the market the same, now that there's potentially millions on the other side of liability. Uh, so again, we just tie a bow on part one, um, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Back by popular demand, we have Tom Droll back again in the hot seat. We wanted to kind of take a, a, a more, we wanted to break it up into two parts, basically because one, we didn't want a two hour podcast for the first one. And secondly, there was just too much info to, to kind of pack into that, to touch on it within, you know, to give everything its proper due. So we took kind of took a little bit of your questions and, and broke this down into basically uh, another five parts of kind of everything that goes into Las Vegas bookmaking, Las Vegas risk management, uh, client analysis, all type of things. And at the end, we're going to tie this all into what is on everyone's mind, the upcoming NCAA tournament and kind of what the influx of money and influx into basically overnight a market goes from, you know, a handle of a regular NBA, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday night into, you know, millions and millions of dollars dumped into this market for the NCAA tournament upcoming on that Wednesday. So kind of taking a look into all those things and kind of what makes this market, you know, kind of flip on its head all of a sudden. So, Tom, welcome back. Thank you again for for coming on.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we had this opportunity to do a second part because I wanted to go into uh, more detail about the customers themselves and uh,
0: our relationship with the customers. Perfect. So, I mean, without further ado, let's just jump into kind of the parts that we left off the first one for this part. Um, One of the during the feedback process and everything that we heard from, from listeners and all that, one of the big things that we kind of touched on was limits and kind of sharp versus public lines, sharp versus public, public bettors. Um So we'll just kind of revisit that a little bit into basically limits was, it was a big one. Um, so we'll just kind of revisit that into what was basically sharp limits versus public limits. If they are different. Um, for example, you know, we talked about, uh, NFL had, you know, 50,000 kind of flat across the board, but again, you'll give, Clients, customers, different lines based on kind of who they were and who they are. Um, so just kind of touch on basically limits for sharp versus public betters and kind of how you even determine if someone is sharp or if they are a public better.
1: Yeah, we definitely just uh, we brushed over that a little bit in the um, in the first part, but uh, we can go into more detail now. I said to you that our limits for NFL was was fifty, for example, um, ten for totals, um, but that really um, is for your your public betters. Um, the sharp guys they'll get closer to 10 with the NFL mm-hmm. and they'll get closer to 2, 3, maybe up to 5 on the totals um, it really is a case of what the customer is doing whether they're moving the market or whether they're reacting to the market whether they're a professional punter or whether they're just a, um, a public guy off the streets um, it really uh, it determines
0: what, what the customer
1: is determines how we make that decision
0: is that the same for all markets kind of across the board? Like, for example, most places, again, I don't want to keep using the UFC comparison, but it's just kind of the, the most popular of the niche markets, is UL. Again, most of those are, you know, 500 to 1,000. Um, is that, you know, for any, if somebody wants that you don't know, say, a $10,000 bet on a random prelim fight, is that something that can be talked about and can be given, or is those, you know, are niche markets the same as kind of the big ones, the basketball, the football, the hockeys of the world? Uh, the UFC, uh, No. Um, to answer your question, no, we won't give ten thousand
1: on a, a prelim fight just because um, a customer wants it. We may give them the full ten thousand, but we'll stagger it. Mm-hmm. So we'll give them two at the number that we have, and then another, say, three at the next number, and then five at a number after that. We'll always, um, we'll try to put the customer on, but it will be on our terms rather right. than their terms. And is there kind of a? And, and that, um, excuse me, I'm no, sorry I... to interrupt. And that is simply because we. We don't want a, a, a ten to $15,000 liability on a prelim UFC fight. So if we stagger the bet that way, it gives us a chance to move the numbers and get, get buyback. Some, and get buyback on the other side.
0: Yeah. So is that, I mean, when you talk about these niche markets versus the big ones, is that just simply because there's no one else in your shop that's going to take the other side? And that's the reason for why you wouldn't take that big, big of a bet on, say, you know, a tennis or anything like that. It's just there's no one that would bet the other side. Tennis, yeah, there's no buyback on tennis. Um, We just have to,
1: if a customer wants a bet, um, we'll give them the bet within reason to what our limit is. And sometimes we
0: just have to stand it. Right. And do do people kind of, I want to say come at you, that's the wrong term, but who kind of, who cares more about their limit size? Is it a tourist in for the weekend? Is it a Las Vegas recreational better that lives here and is, you know, a repeat customer? But they're, you know, betting their hundred dollar, two hundred dollar, you know, per game, um, or is it the sharp guys, or, or kind of who gives, you know, who is that? I don't want to say war again; that's the wrong term. But who is that back and forth with? Kind of more, is it public or professional? Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a kind of a war. But
1: um, yeah, we actually have a, a decent relationship with our sharp customers. They know what the limit is. My boss has spoken with them personally, and uh, they, they have a limit that's comfortable for them and comfortable for us as well. Um, I'll give you an example with the, with the NFL. We have a professional punter. He gets 10 on the NFL and he's, and he's fine with that. He's comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's big enough for him to, to do whatever he wants with it, but it's, it's small enough for us that we can get off it. It's actually, it's actually the, the square customers that we have more hassle with um, and the newer customers For example, a guy just opens an account and starts betting five, six, seven, ten thousand 10,000 on NBA uh, and whatever. And he doesn't know what our range is. He doesn't know what our limits are. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know what we're willing to take on any given market, on any given sport. So he's constantly probing the app and sending bets through on the app to sort of test our limits and see where he can get on and where he can't get on. So that becomes a bit of a battle. We don't we, we don't want to send him away, but everything every bet that we take has to be on our terms, and we have to manage our risk accordingly. So sometimes these these newer customers, um, they're just so desperate to get on that they'll just send keep sending large amounts, large amounts, and sometimes uh,
0: we can't always take those kind of bets. Exactly, and that makes a ton of sense. In that, first of all, is when you say a ten thousand dollar limit. Can they like bet online? A couple of these other offshore uh, books have what's called rebet functionality. Basically, if they hit their limit at ten thousand, they can bet it again as soon as the line moves. Mm-hmm. So, if you give somebody a limit bet at say ten thousand and for an NFL game and it's minus seven, but it goes to about, down to minus six and a half, can they rebet their limit, or are they kind of flagged? And then as soon as they have their limit on a game, that's kind of it. No, they can bet
1: again. They can bet once we make a a, a line change or a price change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's ten per bet. Perfect. And I'll use that as uh, another example with uh, the, the customer I mentioned in part one, uh, our college football specialist, uh, his limits uh, are five on side and two on totals. And that, and that is, as I said, with the other guy, he's perfectly comfortable with that. Um, he uh, keeps level stakes all the time, five on the side, two on the totals, and he never changes, he never wavers from that limit. And, it, and it's great because he bets on a Thursday evening for the games on Saturday. So he's betting well in advance. Um, he's getting on what he wants to get on. And he's telling us where, where because he's very, very good at what he does, he's telling us where he thinks the line is going the to market too. Yeah, so um, we're aggressive with his moves. Um, and it, it works. It is mutually beneficial for both parties.
0: With that, because he has you know such market influence, and, you know, once he makes his initial bets, I imagine you kind of move the line, you know, at least, you know, a half point, whatever. Can he rebet or would that particular customer always somewhat rebet? Um, they can, or are they always at five and that's just kind of what they're what no, they're no, no.
1: Uh, the customer can rebet for sure. Once we make a line move, they can definitely rebet, there's no problem with that.
0: Perfect. So with those types of things and, and kind of identifying these type of, of clients, I mean, I mean, there's so many different types out there. We just talked about, you know, kind of the Las Vegas local who is your blue collar guy, works his job, but just wants some action on the weekends, the way that, you know, people do and have action offshore and, and with these offshore books. There's, you know, the public, the general public, like we just talked about. There's the professional side. Um, but kind of how do you make a determination on kind of what what type of, of customer they are, because that's that will kind of affect a couple of different things. It'll affect their limits if they're, you know, quote-unquote pro, if they're quote-unquote sharp, um, you know, if they have an app in their track, kind of their win-loss record. Um, but just with so many different types of, of people, um, just how do you kind of put everyone into a box and kind of label some people?
1: Well, it's, uh, it's definitely a, um, a different case in Las Vegas. Um, in Las Vegas, from the book that I've worked for, for sure, and I'm pretty sure it's the same elsewhere, um, there's only two categories. You're, you're either sharp or you're public or square. Um, and what you we have a limit sheet and we have a sharp limit sheet and a square limit sheet. And the sharp guys get the sharp limits, the square guys get the, the public limits. Um, but a lot of our job or the majority of our job is is based on customer analysis because we're constantly having new customers signing up so we're constantly looking at what their betting patterns are what sports they like to bet on what their average stake size is and we're also looking at what number they're taking in comparison to what the number what the closing number is so we when we factor all of those things in, we get an idea, we get a picture of what this customer is like, and we can see whether they're on the sharp side or the public side. Um, As we talked about in part one, a sharp customer is selective, he's level he has level stakes, um, and he likes to bet early, Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't bet parlays. Public public customer is going to bet parlays, he's going to bet Three minutes before the jump, and his staking is going to be all over the place because he might chase his losses, you know that sort of thing. So um, you definitely get an idea looking at these patterns. You can definitely build a picture of of each customer.
0: And with that, one of the questions that we got was kind of: is it easy? Is it better to bet late? Is it better to bet early? Does that depend? I mean, the first thing that I kind of learned when I would kind of took handicapping to the next level was you always bet. Uh, favorites early uh, because the public has a tendency to back favorites and you bet underdogs late is basically up until kickoff right before tip. Um, Basically because again, with the public's kind of infatuation with favorites, the line value seems like it would always be on the underdog late. So is there a quote unquote better time to bet either side of those? Uh, um, That's certainly true. Um, I think the time to bet would be
1: any time that you think the number is going to move in your favor. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think with NFL specifically, it's better to bet earlier during the week. Uh, the limits will be lower for sure. Um, but if you have uh, the jump on any team news, um, any injuries, that sort of thing, um, you can beat us to the number. You can beat us to, to the information. And, and uh, so it's definitely better to bet earlier during the week. If you, if you want to bet 15 minutes before a game kicks off, the market will be so solid and we will have our numbers manipulated in such a way that we try and that we can offset some of our position that we've built up during the week. So anyone who's betting 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes before a game's about to kick, um, that they can pretty much have whatever they want. Um, it's earlier in the week that you're going to get that the market is still forming. So if you if you like something, get on it earlier.
0: Yeah, that's one of the biggest differences I've noticed between people who take this seriously and people who just kinda do it as a recreational hobby is when they bet. And everybody that is a public better bets late. They bet at the I don't know if it's a it's a being it's a thought process that you're gonna part with your money longer. Even if it is, you know, you know, again, if you go through and you only have a set amount for the day, then you need to win to continue, essentially. So, you know, that's where the kind of chase games and, and then all those terms kind of come into play. But when we talk about how people kind of, you know, when we put people in a box and things like that. How do you, you know, talking about kind of analyzing customers, analyzing clients, how do you kind of sit there and label different people? Is it just win losses? Is it bet size or kind of how do you go about that? I'll give you an example. In the UK,
1: we we labeled customer with different colors. Um, It sounds funny, um, but it's it's absolutely true. I mean, a a black customer, a, a color with a customer with a black color was a sharp green was VIP Red was uh, a cheetah, yellow was somebody that we're looking to watch, um, and then we, not only did we have the color system, but we also had different uh, bet sizes. So um, you could say customer A can get on for fifty thousand, customer B can have ten, customer C can have five hundred, you know, and customer D can have twenty five dollars and and get lost basically. So mm-hmm. it, it became, uh, and that was the same in Australia as well. Um, we had. Our boss would put notes on each customer's account um, saying he can have X amount on, on a particular sport. And it just became so messy. It became so complicated and so messy that you, um, it was too difficult to manage. I, I like the way that Las Vegas um, does things here in that, as I said before, you just have two limits, your sharp limit right. and, and, and your public limit. Um, I'll give you a, a quick example in the UK when I was working, uh, over there as a telephone operator, we would regularly shout across the floor saying Mr. So-and-so wants 20,000 on a, on a soccer game and, uh, our head of soccer, he would, he would shout back. What's his name? How long has he been betting with us? What sports does he play? What's his average stake size? And what did he have for dinner last night? Basically, <laughs> he, they, um, they, we want, to, we want to know everything, as much information as possible about each customer in determining how much we then give them. Right. And, and it's the same here with my boss in Las Vegas. If if we ever flag a customer up and bring it to his attention, he, he'll ask the same kind of questions. And the main question that he'll ask is, what is he doing? What is he actually doing? And, and what I mean by that is, is he, is he moving the market? Is he following the market? Steam chasing. Is he steam chasing, exactly? Or is he just betting randomly, haphazardly, and he has no idea what the market is, or and no th- uh, idea on what our number is in relation to the market? So those are the kind of the questions that we'll answer when... We're flagging customers.
0: So, what are some different types of of all these? You know, is there? Do you have any specific examples, basically, of of how you kind of what the different types of customers in Las Vegas are, and kind of how you put again I don't know if you can put them in box, but kinda how you kind of label these people. Like you said, in the UK, you had that kind of that um, the, the color, color system. system yep. Is there? You know, what are some different types of, of customers that you deal with day in day out within Las Vegas? We have um um a, a few specific examples. Um, we have one particular customer.
1: Loves to bet NBA, loves to bet college basketball. Will only bet sides, doesn't touch totals. Um, but his, his average stake is 20,000 every time. We actually give him 20,000 on the NBA and 10,000 on college basketball. And he's comfortable with that. And we're obliged to take his bets. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem comes with the fact that he bets literally a minute before the game is about to tip. So sometimes you may have no position on the game. This particular caster comes on, it just ruins your whole liability. Just
0: ruins our whole liability because you can't set the market because it's so late. You can't
1: get off it, and the game jumps, and you just have to sit back and 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 sit on it. Basically, you can't. You there's no way to get off it. You have to stand the bet. So, as I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but it does become frustrating at times because, as you said. His bet sometimes is all the position we have on a game. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily want that position, but you can't do
0: anything about it. Right. And that's different from a lot of, of kind of professionals because they're way more likely to to bet early and kind of set the market rather than follow it. And that's not to say that anyone who just happens to get a bet in uh, late at the particular number that maybe that's just the number that they like. So it's kind of different in that you don't know who's actually following the market and who's just, you know, that's just the number that they wanted, even if it is a worse number or, you know, kind of whatever that is. So that's, that's, but I can see how that would kind of flip everything on its head. Is there anything you can do to kind of prepare for that? Not prepare for that, but again, this goes back to kind of envisioning where, where sharp money will come in um, and, and kind of flip that liability on. But is there any way, I mean, how do you kind of preemptively deal with that type of a customer that always comes in late? We can't, we can't prepare for it. Um, there's nothing we can do about it, um, but um,
1: I would say it's easier. We like to, customers to bet as early as possible, um, just because it's, we're able to get off, we're able to, to get off it if necessary. Um, parlay action is a different story, but um, and customers will sometimes just keep sending parlay after parlay after parlay, racking up fifty, sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollar positions, and my boss will then cut him off at probably a hundred thousands. But, and the customer might say, well, why can't I, why not you take any more bets? The answer to that is yes, you can bet this, you can bet straight bets. Mm-hmm. You're, you're done with your parlay action. But if you want to have a straight bet, that's absolutely fine because we
0: can always get off a straight bet. Right, it's harder to get off a parlay bet than it is. So you a straight can't bet. recreate that liability of a three-four. Nobody's going to bet the exact opposite three-four. I mean, they can, but it's just it's rare that the two would line up like that. Yeah, definitely. But um, straight bets are far easier to
1: manage than parlay action. And I said in part one that parlay money is is essentially dead money. That is that is true. But you still have to take that huge liability into account. Um, I uh, I have uh, other examples um, of customers if you wish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so give you a, uh, another example. We have a uh, again bets NBA and college basketball. Oh, this guy only bets totals, and he not only that, but he only bets under as
0: well. It just can always under whatever the number is. It's always always under. Yeah, there's a, that, not to get you. That's that's kind of my philosophy with baseball. 95% of my bets are first five unders and that's because I take as much variance out of it as I can so that eliminates the bullpen and boom the bullpen and pull it. so I kind of get that um but basketball you said that was basketball right this is basketball yes that's a little bit different than baseball and that there's just always crazy variance but that that's kind of my thought process on why I take just basically only that position in baseball um but that's interesting that it's basketball has he ever given you a reason
1: for it no no we have we have uh, no idea why um uh, and I honestly couldn't give you a reason. Um, he doesn't do very well. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, one thing I have noticed about this guy is that when, when things start to go South, he'll, tr- especially on a Saturday, he'll try to smash out on, on the UFC. Yeah. And again, with the UFC, he only bets the he only bets favorites with the UFC. So he, whatever he's lost during the day on the basketball, he'll try and chase back his losses on the UFC. If a couple of favorites get go down in the UFC, he's he's had a, a, a just a stinker of a day. <laughs> and we see it. We see it yesterday. We saw it with um,
0: Hernandez and. Um, yep. Was it Darius? Yeah, Benil Darius. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're, Hernandez they're, closed, I think, plus uh, three or two eighty plus three eighty five. I think uh, Darius minus five hundred. So, yeah, UFC is different, man. Big favorites will happen. But, five to one favorites get beat every single yeah. day. For sure, yeah. it's the fight game. Anything can happen. It's two people fighting in an octagon. I've always said that. We have uh, we have another guy uh, again. Another basketball customer
1: just throws money at us. It doesn't matter if it's full game, first half, second half, championship games, or the lower conferences. T- um, totals, spreads, anything, anything that he wishes to throw a dart um, at that particular time. And we're talking three, four, five six, seven, up to 8,000 at a time. And and like I said before, sometimes we can't always take those bets mm-hmm. because he's betting first halves, first quarters, wh- wh- whatever he wishes at that time. So it, it, sometimes it becomes difficult. Um, with the first quarters, you can't get off that bet again. Right. So just going back to my same point, if, if he wants to bet 5,000 on a first quarter total, difficult for us to get off that bit because there's just no volume on first quarter markets to to swallow up and dilute that liability Um, so sometimes we just have to knock him back and give him a dime or two dimes max he's not a sharp guy Um,
0: like I said he just throws darts but that's the difference to me in somebody when people say sharp that's what that's the difference between somebody that has money and is still a public better for all intents and purposes this guy has
1: money and just doesn't know what to do with it um, yeah, whereas the, the sharp guys might be only be betting a
0: dime, five hundred, but they're far more informed about where the market is. And that's well, it goes back to part one, which was basically what moves lines more, people or money. And again, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're sharp. For all intents and purposes, that's the same thing as a, as a public guy. It just has a higher bankroll than than a 200 hundred dollar parlays it's the same thing. It's just, you know, you're adding a couple of zeros to your liability, but is there anything else? Any other examples you have of, of kind of things that have stuck out in your mind? Yeah. I've got a great example for the, for the NFL. Um, one of our largest
1: customers, uh, I think we're going back. Uh, I don't think it was this season. I think it was last season, uh, a Monday night game. And I forget the specific teams, but the line was three, three flat. And, uh, For one reason or or another, my boss was at three minus 15. Mm -hmm. And one of our largest customers came on and had 23,000 at minus 15, 23 to win Mm 20,000. Fine, no problem at all. My boss puts him on. Moves the the price, five cents, to three minus 20. And that was enough to get the scalpers come on the other side. Mm -hmm. So plus three at even money, Opened up a small window for the scalpers to come on, mm-hmm. so we took twenty thousand back um, at the plus one hundred, and and locked in a locked in a small profit. Once we'd done that, my boss moved the line. Excuse me, moved the price back five cents, and so we we're back to three minus fifteen. And that whole process only took twenty seconds, but. So much liability just came instantly. So much liability came instantly, but that happened, no exaggeration, that happened about 10 times. Mm. This particular customer just set 23000 every time, bang, moved the, move the price, 20000 back at even money straight mm. away, bang, again and again and again and again and again. And it was just, it, it was eye-opening to see, to be honest. Um, the market kind of in full effect like that, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and, and this customer, you just he just kept sending bet after bet, and my boss would just move it, take twenty thousand, <laughs> and move it back, and, and each time it was free money for us, basically. Right, right. Because
0: you just take it one time.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is um, that is what we, we do uh, on, on a day to day basis is just move a number, take some back, and keep ourselves in line with the market. Yeah, we're we're happy to put customers on um, as long as it's within our limits. That's basically what I'm saying in a nutshell.
0: Yep. And was all that action over the counter? Or was that all apps? That was all apps. That was all on the app. Yeah. Cool. So kind of shifting gears into, into the app, and, and we talked on this during part one and kind of what the app's done for Las Vegas, what it's done for the industry. Um, we want to touch on this a little bit more in that, specifically a couple of things and what you can kind of do with that app. Um and the first thing was why bets get rejected uh, on the app was kind of the biggest question um, that came across. So, uh, if you just touch on kind of why bets would ever get rejected on, on the mobile app. This is a very frustrating thing for us and for customers.
1: We constantly have uh, people um, coming up to window and asking, uh, why does my bet time out all the time? Why is my bet getting knocked back? And, and I really, really, I really wanted to answer these two questions because. Um, um, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. This is a direct uh, line into the risk room. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to directly speak to you, to your listeners who are essentially our customers. Yep. And I really wanted to answer this question. So firstly, why does my bet time out? We have 27 seconds in order to see the bet, see how much it is, check the price against the market and decide whether we want to accept that bet or not. It sounds like a lot of time, but it really isn't when uh, you have a constant stream of bets coming through and the, and the screen is lighting up. Um, we are, Our system, for some reason, it gives us 27 seconds in order to see the bet and make a decision on what we're going to do with that bet. So sometimes a bet will time out just because we don't have enough time to to, accept, approve, it. to approve it because we may have 10 or 15 bets coming through at the same time. So my, my my message to your listeners and to our customers is that if any time a bet times out, please send it again. There's a very good chance that it will get approved the second time around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We are we're working to uh, we're working to lengthen that time frame as well, um, and we've
0: raised that issue with our IT department many times. And we're hoping to get that improved. So for anyone that doesn't really fully grasp what what he was talking about with that 27 seconds, for, for live betting, this happens to me all the time and kind of my locals if I have to use it offshore. Basically, whenever you put in that live bet, there's always that kind of, that circle that that goes around or it says, you know, pending for, you know, he said up to 27 seconds. And sometimes it says there's an error processing your wager or your, your and then it'll say your, own, uh, your wager has timed out. What he's talking about is basically him being the other person on, you know, on the other side of that who has to click yes for your bet to say you know live wager approved or, or wager approved so when you see it on a on an offshore on a sports book that's exactly what he's talking about it's um and i would add
1: it's not always an automated process there is actually a person behind the screen having to click approve um so it, it is a it is always a, a manual pr- excuse me um, it's quite often a manual process as mm-hmm. well. There is actually somebody who has to physically hit accept on each bet. So um, it, it, be, it becomes quite time consuming.
0: And as I, can I imagine, said, yeah yeah. Is it the same thing for live, bet, live bets and uh, like just regular straight bets before? No, re- uh, Live bets go through automatically mm-hmm.
1: and, and regular anything under like a threshold of 100 bucks just goes through mm-hmm. automatically as well. Um, we're just talking about the, the larger wages here. Um, the second question is why does my bet get rejected? Now this is, this is a different answer. Um, when the screen is lighting up and things and, and a price is moving and we may have missed the jump on it, we're going to see three, four, five customers come in at the same time on the same bet. Mm-hmm. And our rule with that is fastest fast as fingers first, mm-hmm. the first person to get in that, to get that bet in. They get the bet; everybody else gets knocked back mm. because we just we don't want uh, customers picking off good numbers. Basically, my boss he wants us to stay within market unless we need the bet. Unless we need the bet to offset a position, you, you more often than not you are going to get rejected. So, my my uh, again with this, my message to anybody out there who is just looking at a screen and betting betting steam basically. Mm um you, you're gonna get rejected more often than not yeah
0: it's not even the real number too because the market has to catch up to this theme like there's a process from when it opens where the market goes up or down and then the close and so if you're just kind of jumping on at you know in between where the market opens and where it closes just because you think that that's where an initial move came and it's maybe it's not the final one or, or it's just a move being set up by a professional or somebody that's just looking for a numbers grab
1: yeah there's a there's a difference between, Um, those two customers I mentioned earlier, our college football guy and our NFL professional, um, these are the guys that are moving the markets Mm -hmm. and we greatly respect their business. On the flip side of that is when you're just chasing the screen, what we we call it chasing the screen, basically. If you're just sitting in front of a a computer looking at the screen and waiting for the market to move Mm -hmm. and 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 if that's the only time that you're going to bet, We have no tolerance for that. If you're just chasing steam, um, more often than not, you're you're going to get rejected for the simple reason that sometimes the market may move three points. Uh, I mean, with college basketball, these totals sometimes move seven, eight points. Uh, If you're betting over 135 points and suddenly the market is 140, 141, 142, it's a bad value bet for us to accept uh, and as I said before, every bet that we accept is always going to be on our terms rather than the customer's terms. So we won't move the We will reject the bet, but we won't move the market completely all the way to 140, 141. We may go to like 139, 138 and a half. We want to give the customer
0: a bet, but we don't want to give away value for the sake of it is there is that looked at any specific way or do you have customers that will just chase steam and chase the market oh, 100% we have so many customers that just do that and, and it becomes um,
1: quite tiresome to see the same names come through and we know as soon as we see these names we know that uh, we've missed something mm. that the, the market is moving the screen is lighting up uh, um, and it becomes as I said it becomes quite boring to be, to be honest
0: and <laughs> um, uh, but I can understand where, where these customers are coming from. Um, it's their way of being able to essentially tail a professional without, you know, buying picks or, or doing all these things from quote unquote professionals. Yeah. If you see a market move, I mean, again, knowing what we know now that it, it is only market. I mean, there's only money. That's moving that line, nothing yes, else. So yeah. with that, you know, if a line goes from minus or if, you know, a total goes from 130 to 140, there was a significant play that came in on that. I mean, we've talked about this straight from your mouth that there, there's no trap line, there's, there's not moving it in the other way to kind of entice a better or, or do anything like that. It's strictly money into the market, which is creating a liability, which is the reason for the move. So knowing that if you see a move towards one side or the other, the chances are that you know, again, the thing is though is that money going into the market doesn't care who it's from. So if it's like the type of customer that you said that you will fire five thousand, ten thousand dollars bullets, then uh, you know, and he you only know, so he's hitting you know say forty percent. Just yeah. because you know, it's on that, you will, you'll move the market the same based on your liability. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. you don't know if that market, if that money is sharp, if it's just a rich guy that has absolutely no idea what he's doing. So yeah. that's crazy interesting and kind of a, of a really important dynamic. You get like a, like a, a reverse move come, coming back the other way. Right. When, when the, the pros out there, they realize that the, the total has gone too, too high and it needs to come back down. Right, And it creates a middle opportunity as well, which professionals absolutely live for. Um, so, with that, and talking with these types of of, of customers and, and clients, one of the the stigmas or or something that you know I've, I've potentially had happen with me is your limit size being cut uh, on these mobile apps because everything is tracked and it's it's no longer quote unquote in cash. It's you know so. Is there, you know, if let's just kind of put it out there is if you get hot, will your limits be cut? If you get hot enough, will you kind of be turned away from betting on the mobile app?
1: Yes. Yes, they will. Um, (laughs) Said so nonchalantly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're we're in business to make money. Um, I make no, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. Yep. Um, The guy is consistently beating us. We certainly um, reconsider the kind of limits that we're giving him. And, uh, eventually, uh, if we, if we realize we can't beat him, um, we'll turn him away. Uh, we're not here to, to make friends. Yeah. We're here to make money. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, on the, on the other side of the counts, on the other side, excuse me, on the other side of that, um, if a customer is consistently losing and they try to smash their way out of trouble, we're not going to let them do that either. Um, and you may that may sound funny, that may sound counter counter to what we're we're trying to do here, but um, we we don't allow customers to smash out. Mm-hmm. If, if when you say smash out. What does that mean? Okay, so um, if a customer's average stake is five hundred dollars, and they've had a bad day and they may be down three four thousand, we're not going to let them send a five thousand dollar bet to try and win back everything they've lost. Okay, they may do that and they may attempt it. But we don't allow them to do that. You, um, there's an old saying, and I think it was a, an old Las Vegas bookmaker that said this: um, you, "You get out the way this, the same way you got yourself in. Mm. You get out of the hole that you dug yourself the same way that you got yourself in. So if you if you, you're down by betting $500 limits, you get yourself up mm. by betting $500 limits, or whatever the case may be."
0: So with that, I mean, it does sound a little bit counterintuitive and contradictory being, you know, saying that if someone's too good, you won't take their bet anymore. But yet if somebody is having a bad day, you won't let them get out. I mean, how does, and again, I I realize that that this isn't, you know, your philosophy specifically. This is just, you know, this is the business and what it is. We're
1: talking, we're talking bookmaking philosophy in general. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't speak for any other company in
0: Las Vegas it is that I mean because all he has to do is go somewhere else and they'll never know who the bet was from. So yeah. I mean it's not as if he can't get the bet down. But it, why would you not take that bet? In that, is it just a, it's a literal moral thing, or what is the reasoning behind saying no? We don't want to take that that five thousand dollar bet after that customer's been down all day. I think
1: I think that once we know that we know that a customer is is down and and we've we've got their their cash basically. Um, They could easily smash that smash their way out of trouble, get in front, walk away, and we never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. We don't want to turn away any customers, but we also don't want to have a situation where customers win, leave, we never see them again. We want that repeat business. And if we can establish a relationship with a customer, um, where they have an average stake size, that's, that's fine. Um, there's also the from from a moral perspective. Um, it's like, it's like a landlord knocking back a, a person who's drunk at the bar, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, we say, look,
0: a bartender what, cutting someone a off. A bartender and saying,
1: cutting somebody yeah, off. You've had, say, you've had one you've, too many. You've had today, one yeah. too many. No, what? Why? if you want to try and smash your way out of trouble with this $5,000 bet, what happens if that loses, Yeah, you know, and then there's the moral side of it. Oh, you, you allowed me to get myself into trouble too much. I have a problem gambling. I have a, I have an addiction, blah, blah,
0: blah. And then you get into that side of things and it, again, it becomes messy. So what is the, is there any other reasons why somebody would get kind of kicked off the app or not have a, be able to place a bet on the app?
1: Uh, Yeah, there's a few, um, certain, um, Certain specific incident in in instances where um, we'll, we'll definitely kick customers out. Um, we may have left the game open, um, especially on the live betting side of things. We yep. may have left a, accidentally left the game open. The prices have become stale, and um, the the game is over basically, but yep. it's still available to bet on the app. We've had that happen quite a few times, and it's purely human error, nothing more and uh customers will just come on and just bet it over and over and over and they'll take us out for thousands of dollars do they still get paid out of course of course they get paid out we we must honor every bet um but they'll never get a bet with us again mm-hmm. uh, it's just again it's morally it's just not in the spirit of things so uh
0: we we kick those guys out so when you say they'll never get a bet with you again that's only on the mobile app though because in theory if it's somebody that you don't know or you don't haven't seen they would just have their account kind of suspended but they could still place over the counter bets with cgt right essentially
1: they could but um we make our supervisors aware of of those particular customers they have a um not only do they have a a, uh uh Excuse me, not only do they have all of their details, but they actually have a picture uh, with their ID. Mm-hmm. So if they do
0: see them coming up to the counter, they can turn them away. Right. And that's kind of why, one reason why, when you fill out a mobile app kind of application, for lack of a better word, you know, they get your license, your social security number for all the tax purposes and stuff like that. But that's kind of the The reason beneath the reason of why you get a picture ID and why you have it. Well, customers I've noticed, especially in Las Vegas, they prefer
1: the anonymity of it of everything. They, they prefer, sure do. Uh, yeah, they certainly do. Um, but I'm not so sure that that is um, essentially the right way to go th- about things. We've always said that if a customer is happy to sign up for an account, um, we can give them higher limits on the app than we can over the counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's kind of the trade-off that's the trade-off going back to the point I made before about knowing who your customer is. If somebody walks up to the counter and wants to bet 20,000 on any given, on any given market, straight away we're on, we're on the phone to the supervisor. Who is he? Where is he from? Have you seen him before? Um, Is he a regular customer? Um, How much does he want in total? All of those questions will get asked. Whereas if, if the customer is betting on the app, we already have that information straight away. So again, it goes back to the point about building a relationship with our customers and trying to give them the best service
0: possible. Exactly. And speaking again, this isn't you know me saying that I'm something or I'm all this I've had limits cut on a, on my app. Um, and, and again, it can happen off, a, off a, a simple hot streak. It really can. It does not take a ton because everything is is tracked and everything can is can be seen right there. And that's why people, including myself, kind of prefer the cash method. Yes, a hundred percent. Being able to use the, the mobile apps, especially during heightened times like a March Madness, so you don't have to sit in line for ten minutes it's like convenient. a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a hundred percent convenient. I can pull out my phone if I'm at dinner, if a live number pops, or whatever it is. Um, but it, it is a realistic thing of that is the downfall of, of kind of that convenience. And, you know, it is nice to see that you'll give people higher limits in that for that trade tradeoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the only thing I would say from a gambler's perspective is you can offer someone higher limits, but on the other end, you're going to cut their limits if, they're, if they get hot. So yeah. it kind of goes both ways. But again, it's a business and that's, you know, that that's your side of the counter, you know, kind of versus mine in that.
1: Just a, another quick point about the mistakes that are made, a human error. Um, we've had, um, instances where we've opened up a, an overnight NBA game and we've accidentally forgotten to put the line in. It does happen. It's, uh, it happens more often, the, more often than you may think, to be honest, yep. it is just human error. And st- we have, cu- uh, we have a particular customer who just sits and waits for us to make those mistakes. <laughs> yeah. And, and as soon as he notices, how does he still like have that. an account? My very question, uh, as well. I do not know. <laughs> yeah. if it was up to me, he would have been shut down a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but he's still there. my my boss is just they they refuse to shut him down uh, because he does send the odds genuine bet now and then mm-hmm. uh, but anytime there's a mistake like that where you can get over zero points at minus one ten <laughs> yeah. or. Um, a favorite at pick when they should be minus eights. Mm -hmm. He'll send the bet and every time he'll get rejected, but it doesn't stop him.
0: Yeah. So he's never been paid out from a
1: bet like that? No, no, no. Uh, we, 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 um, we're able to intercept his bets yep. and see that we've made a mistake straight away.
0: Are you able to intercept? Ju- not able to, but do you just intercept his? Or, or if if somebody you know kind of found that? Because we said earlier that you would always kind of honor those bets with those like a live bet if it was kept up. A live bet goes through automatically, right, so, so we that's ha-
1: why. So we have to honor it. Okay. Um, but if it's a, um, if it comes through intercepted on our system, we have uh, the rights. And the ability to reject it if we wish. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other instance I'd really like to point out. Yep, um, we accidentally. It was about a month ago, a month or two months ago, we accidentally opened up a market, a two-way market at plus 175, plus 200. Again, human error, simple mistake. Yep, should obviously should have been minus 200. Mm-hmm. And we had a uh, a known uh, prominence
0: sports figure, sports gambling figure, we'll call it. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's call him that sports gambling figure, um, known in the Las Vegas community content provider, picks provider type of thing. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, came up to the counter and tried to bet the plus 200 for $500 Mm -hmm. immediately came up on my screen and, and I rejected the bet. And I, cause I, I knew exactly what, what had happened. Right. And I made the fix. Um, if it was up to me, this person, regardless of the fact that he's well known in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that he's on uh, daily radio shows, um, you know, and, and all of that was given that leeway. Yep. I would have shut him down. Mm-hmm. If it's not up to me. Uh, I'm not in charge. But if it was up to me, he would have been kicked out straight away and he would never have got a bet with us again. But sadly, um, we allow these these customers to, to do this sort of thing and, and they just keep on trying. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad to see, to be honest,
0: it really is. <laughs> I have, so I have kind of a, uh, a dueling thought process on this. One is you, you know, you've talked about kind of the advantages that gamblers have versus odds makers and risk managers and that, you know, we can focus in on one market while you have the whole market, you know, we can kind of pick and choose and do those type of things on the other end. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where exactly where I stand on this because on one end, I feel that if you hung a bad number, be it human error or not, you know, if you're a vigilant person or, you know, and, and you can kind of pick these things off all, I, I kind of almost feel all the power to you. Yeah. I really do. And then it should be honored because outside of, you know, a technical error or a software glitch, which is, you know, something that's obvious like that, which that was not the case. That was just, you know, a number being essentially basically probably typed in wrong or whatever it was, mm-hmm. whatever the case was, Yeah, you know, um, I don't know, because I feel as if, you know, if you go out somewhere and, and you see, uh, you know, a shirt for sale and it's it, it's a two hundred fifty dollar shirt, but it's marked down to three yeah, dollars for, yeah. you know, it, you know, is that your fault that that was marked out wrong? If you can get out the door with it and, and you paid your price, you know, you paid your minus one ten on it or whatever the big the is, you know, in, in any given situation. Yeah,
1: it's it's a doggy
0: dog world for right. sure.
1: It, it certainly is, um, but it goes back to the question of what, what what is morally correct, right? No, exactly. Yeah, and not in the spirit of of, of we 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 have to run a business like anybody right. like anybody else, um, and we like to to again uh, going back to the same point, we want to build up a relationship with our customers. Um, it's not an for us. It's not an us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can give customers um, that the set limits and they can walk away happy, then that's, that's all the better for us. Absolutely. Because customers build our... We need the customers. We
0: need customers to build our business. Mm-hmm. If you have no customers, you have no company, basically. Couldn't have said it better myself. So I want to get into basically the hot topic issue, which is March Madness, upcoming the NCAA tournament uh, in about two weeks, nine days. It's already here already. I can't believe it. But before we do that, let's just talk about MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas podcast. Enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today. All right. So March Madness. So with basically influx of, of all these tourists, all these, these guy trips, everyone coming into town, what happens? The same thing that happens in the Super Bowl. You have what yeah. amounts to, you know, the market essentially in liability basically gets flipped on their head. So what I kind of wanted to ask somebody from behind the counter from the risk management side of this is what changes in the thought process of moving a line now that say you have an extra you know couple million dollars in liability potentially is it still the same you know if your most respected college basketball guy comes in on one position during the tournament but now instead of only having $3000 in liability on the other side to offset it you have say 100,000. Does anything change, or is anything even remotely different, or is it still you're just married to the numbers, you look at the data, and you switch it? We're pretty much married to the numbers,
1: to be honest. Um, We're always, as I said in part one, we're always looking at what the right side is. Um, And you you are definitely right, there's going to be far more volume coming into um, the book during March Madness. But a lot of that is going to be parlay action, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, that sort of gets... Uh, for want of a better term, that sort of gets swept under the carpet, the, the parlay action. that just goes, it goes in. Um, and unless it's a huge parlay, we're not really looking at it. Um, for straight bets, yeah, um, if we take 5, 10, 20, whatever it may be, um, because there's so much more volume, our move is going to be less. Unless we're away from what the market is on mm-hmm. the screen. Um, as much as we... Respect our odds compilers, and mm-hmm. as much as we try to to um, balance our books, mm-hmm. it does come down a lot to where the market is. And my, my boss is pretty strict on that. He doesn't like to be away from what the number is and mm-hmm. what the market is, unless we need the bet. Yep. Um, so, just going back to the point about uh, volume, yeah, there's there's an incredible influx of, of of money coming in in March, and and again for the Super Bowl, so a $3,000 bet on a basketball match back in November might be enough to move our number, but it's, it's, it's a drop in the ocean Mm -hmm. in March. Exactly. So, um, those bets just go in Uh, again. It it just takes a, um, a few moments for us to look at the bet, look at our number, look at the market, see which customer it is. And we know, yep, that's in uh, and
0: it just goes in straight away. Well, people or money move the market, this, uh, during March madness, this, you know, we touched in a hundred percent before this, it was always people and who the bet was coming from now yeah. with there being so much more public money. Is it still people or does the public have more of a say, um, with, uh, their money this time? Just generally speaking.
1: Um, it's, it's specific people, mm-hmm. uh, the professionals out there that we, we know and, uh, we respect their business. um, but it, it's not always the case. Um, if we take a, a ten thousand dollar bet on a, on a side from a, a square guy, we're going to move it, mm-hmm. um, but we're not just going to move. We're only going to move it less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're we're constantly looking at where we are in relation to the market. If a guy's taking a um, a market number, a square number, we'll put them on. Yep. Um, and sometimes we get into a situation where myself or my co-workers we're not sure whether we want to take this specific bet. And again, it goes back to the same questions. Shadow over to my boss. Hey, we've got Mister So and So wants fifteen thousand, ten thousand, whatever on a particular side. What's he doing? Is he doing anything? What's the number? Is the number is it a market number? Yeah, put him on. Mm-hmm. My boss, he, he, more often than not, he'll
0: put people on. Yep, he'll he'll try to do as much as he can to put people on. Is there futures are a huge part of, of March Madness, right? Everyone gets kind of, you know, whether it be they pick their team or, or if you're a professional, you know, maybe it's a number set up. You know, for example, Arizona with the the coaching thing and with Trier and a couple guys out was number I grabbed was 22, 22 to 1. It's back down to 11 to 1 now that those guys have been reinstated. Is there, you know, we touched on this kind of. With football in day-to-day lines, if futures kind of play a part in that, and I know that oddsmakers are the ones that, that are setting these lines. But are you? Is there a huge futures liability within NCAA, or is it not really? You know, maybe from the one to two seeds, the Michigan States of the world, um, your Dukes, all that stuff. I mean, again, those are especially in a year that's kind of wide open. I mean, those are priced, you know, four, five, six to one. Um, but are, are futures more? Um, I us say prevalent, but are they more? Do they make their presence known a lot in the NCAA tournament, or not really? When you're um, kind of yeah. making risk management. We see we see far more money on uh, on the daily games than yep.
1: we do on the futures. Um, so we're focused we're focused on the daily games for sure. Um, I mean, if you go back to the Super Bowl, we we knew that we could run a sort of half a million dollar liability on the Eagles on the game mm-hmm. because we 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 had close to a seven figure number profit. On the Eagles, if they were to win the Super Bowl, from a futures standpoint. From a future yep. standpoint, so we we were able to use that that futures position to take some bets on the Eagles on the on the game itself. And uh, and, and like I said, once you have these high profile games, and once we get into the uh, the final four and the championship game of, of March Madness, um, a ten thousand dollar bet is is just going to be a drop in the ocean. Yep. Uh, and and sometimes uh, and again, I'm just generally speaking now. But sometimes customers don't don't realize that, especially like tourists. Mm. Maybe they'll come into town and they they'll, they'll I have. I think a, they're hot shit with their thousand dollar. bet. Yeah, with yeah. their with their f- five ten thousand dollar bet, and and we, we sometimes we're just like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they might sit there. Place their bet, go back to their seat, and and look at the stare at the board, waiting expecting for Expecting the them to move, expecting the number. us to move the number, and it just doesn't happen. They're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll go and bet it again, and we'll, we'll we'll take the
0: bet again, and we still won't move it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's almost a bucket list item for somebody to say that they moved the number. It yeah. really is. Uh-huh, yeah, it's but, a high um, like no
1: other. I'll tell you, yeah. no customer, whether you're a professional or um, you're a first time better, nobody has. Um, access to the single ability to move that line from one bed. Well, yeah, they, they don't have access to see what we see right behind the counter or to know what liability we're standing on any particular game. Uh, so it's um, whether we move a number or not it is, is purely based on our liability.
0: Perfect. Yeah, and that's the only thing I want to touch on was the ability to to that you guys would have to be middled in that if you know when you said that we're not gonna go away from market, so we're not gonna make a huge jump unless it's it's kind of warranted or you're away from market. So that's where a middle opportunity would open up for your specific book, really. But is there anything else that you want to touch on? Not when really you want to, but anything that's different from a liability standpoint with the upcoming with March Madness, anything that's that's different other than just the volume is different. You add a couple zeros to your liabilities each way and everything else is really the same because people I feel like a lot of questions I got were kind of regarding March Madness and regarding the Super Bowl and kind of when things get you know super busy for, for a book. But is there anything that's really different from a day to day other than it's just busier from a volume standpoint? I don't see
1: um, I don't see any difference myself. Um, each day um, we have set guidelines on how much we can take and where we move the numbers to. So whether it's a um, uh, uh, spring training baseball game or march madness yeah, it, for me uh, it sounds kind of funny but for me there is no difference when we're, we're dealing with money and we're moving numbers yep uh, the only difference for us is the is the, the amount of volume that mm-hmm. comes in uh, and that certainly has an effect um but no uh i would say um if you if you're coming into las vegas um and wish to place bets with the sports book Stay away from parlays. <laughs> stay, stay away. Twenty-one parlays.
0: parlays will kill
1: you. That's yeah, like, especially in the tournament with so many upsets. Yeah. If you like something, just bet it straight. Um, shop around for the best number, and uh, and do your research, and and uh, you know keep keep to your limits, keep to your level stakes, and uh, and also I just wanted to make the other point that um, uh, which is pretty much the same point that we made at the end, at closing out in part one was um, that sort of us versus them mentality. If you, if you ever have a a grievance with us, just come into the sports book and speak to us. Don't give any, uh, don't hassle the ticket writers. They're part timers (laughs) and and they don't get paid much. Don't even hassle the supervisors because they, they probably wouldn't be able to answer your specific questions regarding limits. Mm -hmm. Ask to speak to, one of the risk managers asked to speak to my boss, the head of the risk risk management room, and he will happily come out. He's a very approachable guy He will happily come out and, and discuss your particular grievance and he'll discuss your account with you, what you can get set for. Um, so we, we definitely, I want to take away that idea that um, you can't speak to us. Um, you, you'll never see us. We're in the back office and you know, we're, we're controlling everything, but we want, we want the customers to think that we are approachable. You can come and talk to us and, and discuss certain aspects of your account and what you can get on. Um, I definitely want to try and, uh, again, going back to the same point, I want to try and build up a relationship with the customers, um, because without the customers, we're nothing.
0: Couldn't have said it better. That's a beautiful ending, buddy. Uh, well, again, thank you for coming on to finish up uh, this part two. Um, this has been uh, basically one of the most listened to podcasts in the Sports Game Podcast database, honestly. And you're a huge part of that and giving people essentially a look behind the curtain in all things Las Vegas. Um, again, obviously, you have nothing to do with offshore, so we can't speak to that. But basically, this is probably one of the most insightful interviews I- I've ever listened to. And I'm not just saying that because I was the one that did it um, behind the counter. So I can't thank you enough, man. And. Um, Good luck in in all your, your journeys and expectations. All right. Thank you. Thank you.